welcome to the podcast of Imago Day Community Eastside Gathering. Join us in this Sunday service as we look to the scriptures, seeking to be transformed into the image of Christ. We all right? Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. Um, as you see, we're doing a little bit, a little different configuration, trying to figure out the best way to utilize um, and not overtax on our people. So the stage is a little smaller. And um, y'all know I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a little big up here. So I'm getting comfortable. Just bear with me for a second. There we go. Okay. I'm holding the mic because the mic was going real crazy this morning. And so it's just everything, but it's all good. Amen? Amen. All right. Now, this morning, um, we're going to continue in our, in our sermon series. And we're talking about belonging as the people of God. And this week, we're going to talk about hospitality. Now, hospitality is one of our practices, and practices um, is something that the church has always had, and it's helped to shape the rhythm in the life of worship in the church. And we believe these practices to be what we are calling triformational, meaning that when you live into these practices, three things should occur and will occur. Uh, first of which is they change us. Second, do we have that slide? Nope. Cool. Yeah? Yes. Hold on. Nope. That ain't it. No, we don't have it. So, triformational, um, the first of which is they change us. The second thing they do is they bless. And the third thing that they do is they resist. Now, they change us by calling us back to the gospel for ourselves so that we will be reminded. So when we practice generosity and something in our flesh doesn't want to practice generosity, our mind should go back to the gospel where we see a God who was generous and gave everything to welcome us back home. And then through that, we are be a generous people. And as we practice hearing and obeying the word in the spirit, when our flesh fights against that, because it doesn't really want to hear and obey the word of God in the spirit, we can think about a Jesus who was in a garden who said, Father, let this cup pass for me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And we can remember that he was faithful and obeyed to the point of death. And actually, though he died, he rose again on the third day. And it's actually that same power that we have in us that gives us the power to obey faithfully the word and the spirit. And so pressing into these practices will first expose our displeasure or discomfort. And as we press in, we will continue to find Jesus who will give us the love and the meaning and the empowerment to live faithfully into these practices and faithfully into the love and the truth of who we are in Christ and the truth of why we actually exist in this world. So this is a constant recalibrating, a constant realigning, a continual bringing our thoughts in our ways and comparing them to the thoughts and the ways of Christ. And when we find that there's some discrepancy there, we submit and humble our ways and our thoughts and we live in step with his. So first they change us and second they bless 
and they bless by being a faithful presence of Jesus in our culture. So what they do, these practices, they point to the mercy of God and the love of God in a world that is desperately in need of both. So when we engage and embody these practices, we are actually embodying Christ himself. And we are to the world the faithful presence of Jesus Christ. You're not just a co-worker. You're not just a mother. You're not just a, a spouse. You're not just a friend. You're not just a person going to get gas or going to get groceries. Everywhere that we go, we are the faithful presence of Christ in the earth. Now, they, the third thing, they resist. And they resist in this culture by being a prophetic witness. We resist the idols. They resist the idols of our culture and display the truth of what life is meant to be in a world that is hearing alternative stories day in and day out. So the kingdom of God has totally other values and perspectives in the values of this culture in this world. And so to be a faithful presence, there are times where we have to resist some of the ideologies and some of the common practices and some of the accepted cultural things and norms of this day. Now, what these practices are not, okay? These practices are not a means of salvation. To the contrary, they are actually what we live into because we have already received salvation. Another thing that they are not, they are not a new list of things for us to do, but rather they take the life that we already live and turn that life towards Jesus. He then transforms our daily routines, the things that we're already doing, into expressions of worship and witness into the world. So you're already eating, you're already spending money, you're already working, you're already responding to countless messages that we hope will bring meaning and correction or healing into our life and into this world. And the practices take those things and offer them to Jesus as he transforms the reason why we do those things and he shapes how we do those things. You following me? So let's talk about the five practices. So at Imago Day, we have five practices that we as a community are living into. The first one is to hear and obey the word and the spirit. The second one is hospitality. The third one is generosity. The fourth is vocation. And the fifth is celebration Sabbath. We put those into one. So today, as I said, we're looking at hospitality. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and pull those out. We'll be in Acts chapter 10. If you don't have a physical Bible, your device is fine. If the Wi-Fi is wonky in here, we'll go ahead and put it up on the screen. If you don't have a Bible, don't even own one and desire one, please let one of us know. We'll make sure you get a Bible, okay? Let's go. Acts 10 verse 1. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion. And what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius! Cornelius stared at him with fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. 
The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is, saying, he is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. I don't know why he went to, okay, anyway. Um, he became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. Anybody ever been that hungry? Now he saw heaven open. Now look, he was hungry, he went to sleep, then he started dreaming about food. Okay, I just want to point that out. Um, as a meal, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter. Kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I don't know if he yelled at the Lord, but he yelled today. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. If you see what's happening here, God had to change Peter's heart. Letting him know that you don't any longer, where it used to be so obvious to the visible eye, what was clean, what was not, it was, you're able to just make that dividing line. Because of what I've made clean, you can no longer determine within yourself or what you've been taught or how you've been trained, what's clean and what's pure. Now the command to kill and eat made no sense to Peter. Because both clean and unclean animals were on that sheet-like table. And Peter was a devout Jew. He followed the Jewish laws, especially the dietary ones. And so this was a, a direct violation. Kill and eat that? Never in my life have I. Never in my life will I. So his mind is all messed up. And then what it did was it caused him to think even beyond the food because he said, he didn't just say don't call any food that I've made clean impure. He said don't call anything that I've made clean impure. So for us, I think there's some similarity there. Because for us, there's been some things that have been cut and dry in our minds about who and what is safe and acceptable and pure and clean and even profitable who and what is worthy of our time or our sacrifice or our love or our attention or our grace and if we're honest we have some others that we consider too other to be welcomed into our lives because we think that God has rejected them first and we're just following in his footsteps and there are some people that we've been trained or conditioned to deem as disqualified or unclean. And we are not even open to engaging these folks. We've completely written them off. Maybe because they're battling some addiction. And uh-uh, we don't touch that. 
Their politics ain't right. They might be a habitual liar, might be an adulterer, might be the race that we don't just get down with, might be the denomination they came out of, or their sexual orientation. They might be too poor, too rich, too ghetto, too stiff, you know, just, but, but we judge too quickly. We've discarded those that God has a plan to redeem and use for his glory. We've turned away those that Christ himself has given a personal invitation. So who would you never have at your table? No, no, no. Whose table would you never even go and sit at? The only way we will extend the welcome of God to the other is if Jesus changes our heart. Let's keep reading. Verse 17, when Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and he stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I am the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, we have come for Cornelius from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guest. These were not Jewish men. Before that vision, Peter would not have welcomed him into this house. And you know he tripping because it ain't even his house. He's staying with somebody else. You can't be my guest and invite a guest. But his heart was changed. He was on adrenaline or something. It was just like all this God was just oozing out of him. Right? Okay, keep reading. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived. So even when it says the next day, that means they stayed the night. Okay? So this was real hospitality, real communing, real fellowship. The following day, he arrived at Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you are all well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask, why have you sent for me? He told him, kill and eat this food and by the next day it had become I can't call any person impure or unclean so the second thing that that happens is these practice bless by being the faithful presence of Christ in the earth see Cornelius was a centurion that means he was a commander of a hundred men and he was a member of the Italian regiment or cohort now this is bigger than Italian mob okay Italian regiment or cohort, there were probably up to a thousand men. 
And as a centurion, as the leader of a hundred men, he was paid really well, probably five times more than the, the ordinary soldier. So he was wealthy and well-known. He was prominent, especially in social circles. Now, Peter was not supposed to be there. He had just told us the laws, the religious laws say that you do not mingle and intermix with Gentiles as a devout Jew. It's not just eating these foods that make you unclean. Just being around and socializing with these unclean folk will make you ritually unclean. So we bless our, the culture through hospitality when we choose to serve and obey God over the temptation and the pressure to serve and obey the cultural norms and the customs and the expectations and the religious laws that we've created. So when we engage with people in such a way that those from whatever demographic you derive a sense of value from, say why are you talking to them or you you going out to dinner with who sometimes it's like at simon's house welcoming them in and sometimes it's like at cornelius's house accepting the invitation to come but we must like peter practice being the host and being the guest in this hospitality thing and when we host we bless the culture as a faithful presence of Christ by showing the world the character and the reality of God extending his invitation to all to come and commune and rest and be blessed at his expense. And when we are the guest, we bless the culture because we come as the best kind of guest. We come as a guest bringing with us a precious gift, the gift of the gospel. And no matter where that host is on their journey of faith, through us, they may learn of a God who has welcomed them and desires that they would accept his love and his grace. So many of us feel fairly comfortable hosting, but we must be willing to be the guest, to be uncomfortable on somebody else's turf, especially with the gift of the gospel. Because God is already at work in the lives of the people that we receive the hospitality from. And once we believe that, then we recognize that we're just partnering with what God is already doing. Do you recognize how God's work in Cornelius and Peter separately began before they ever came into contact? And then Cornelius's men, if you remember when they went to go get Peter, they were trying to break down these walls and trying to explain, well, you know, I know he's a Gentile, but, you know, he heard from God and there was this angel and this thing happened. And they're trying to break down these walls, but God had already done the work. He had went before them. And through the work God was already doing in Peter, Cornelius's men were able to walk through walls that Jesus already broke down. And... Sorry, and through the work God was already doing through Cornelius, Peter was already able to walk through walls that Jesus already broke down. And the cultural walls for them was this Jew-Gentile conflict. And the cultural walls for us are many. They are race, they are class, they are sexuality, they are politics. The question is, what walls have Christ already broken down that you are not willing to walk through. 
See, because where the world sees walls, Jesus wants us as his people to see what he sees. Open doors. Open doors to share the gospel. And he sends us to walk through them and to be a faithful presence of Christ. Let's keep going. So verses 30 through 33, Paul, Peter had just asked him, why have you sent for me? Cornelius has explained what he already explained, so I'm not going to read that. Verse 34, Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts every nation, from every nation, the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He preaching the gospel right now, if you, if, you, if you ain't catching that. He was not seen by all the people, but by the witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one who God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sin through his name. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. There's so much to be preached up in this. I, I don't have the time, y'all. Woo! But I, woo! Um, then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Whew. Do you understand what just happened? Peter surrounded by all these Gentiles. Remember, Cornelius invited his family and all his friends to fill the house. He's a socially prominent guy in that community. So how uncomfortable must Peter have been to be in a culturally unfamiliar spot, having his whole life never even mingled with the unclean, being outnumbered, he don't know these folk. Okay, yeah, Cornelius had a vision from God, but it's another, what, 100 folk up in here? 50, 50 to 100 people in that house? What is their stance? What have been their interaction with Jews? What are their feelings about this Jewish man standing in this space? He's doing something that's against his own religious laws. What kind of scrutiny, scrutiny might he face as the word travels that he and they're getting boogie with, with these Gentiles? What would it look like for the Christian mothers whose black son was killed by a police officer and that police officer wasn't indicted? What would it look like for her to be invited to the home of a juror that she knows helped acquit her child's murderer? 
But that juror has seen that mom's faith at work and now has questions about Jesus. What about that super conservative believer who already blocked his coworker after a many Facebook debates about politics and now Jesus says to that guy, go and invite him to lunch. I've been dealing with his heart, preparing his heart to receive my love. What happens when the one God sends you to or the one God sends to you is the same one you already told to go to hell? When we practice hospitality as a guest and a host, it confronts all of these things in us like it did Peter. The what if, what will be said if I go to that rally or that meeting with that person, it's going to be on Facebook Live and the ones who don't think I associate with these kinds will see me. Then what will I say when they come and ask me about my presence or my relationship with this individual? The point of Cornelius's hospitality wasn't to get to know Peter, but through Peter to get to know Christ. And where are we not willing to take Christ? Because in a world without hope, we bring the hope of Jesus. In the world of violence, we bring the peace of Christ. In a sin-sick world, we bring the healing of Christ. In a world with so many words and too many words, we are given the most important words to speak, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So yes, we share a meal, and yes, we share our lives, but don't forget to share Jesus. Share a meal and share your life, but don't forget to share Jesus, I promise, I reject that saying that says preach the gospel and when necessary, use words. The Bible teaches that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can he preach unless he sent? The goal of hospitality is not just a good meal, but that we would find Christ in the other and share Christ with the other. And so we dive into these practices that we may be changed, that they would bless the culture, and that in some ways they would resist the culture. What time is it? Okay. Now, um, this is this is something new for us, Eastside. Um, we're gonna go ahead and enter into a time of response, and usually that includes singing songs of worship, doing communion, and encountering the prayer team and being prayed for. But we're gonna add a fourth element to our time of response today, and what it is is it's going to be some discussion groups. Now, before we move, I want to I explain and be very clear about what's going on here. So let me first by asking, ask a question. How many of you have ever left a Sunday service and totally forgot what was preached about that Sunday? Be honest. Oh, my God. <laughs> what we... <laughs> it's, it's, the <laughs> it's the most... Um, it's the hardest thing in this culture to 
to recognize the consumerism of this world, of this country, even in the church, yet be charged as leaders and pastor to grow the people spiritually and mature the people spiritually and to create an atmosphere that says family and united and interdependence. And so this is one way that we want to live into that as a Mago Day Eastside. It's a, what we're going to do is get into these groups of five to seven people, and we're simply going to talk about what we just heard preached together as a family. And it's a way to take what we hear preached and to begin the process with family of helping it to take root and settle in and to kind of work it out a little bit in conversation. And that's for our own spiritual development and, and maturity. Now, this is not meant to make anyone feel uncomfortable. Although I realize and acknowledge that it will, it's not the goal. So you can feel free to not contribute in the conversation. The only thing I would ask is, as they go around and ask everyone to give their answer to one of the questions that'll be up here soon, I just ask that if you wanna pass, just share your name. And then just say, I'm gonna pass, okay? Now, let me see here. So this is, this, this is how it'll go. I'll, please go around the circle and give everyone a chance to participate. So this is not a conversation to be dominated by any one person. It's not a conversation to give a leg up to the most talkative and outgoing and social people in the room. We're, we want everyone to take a minute or two to go around and just answer one of the three questions that are up there. If you are Chatty Cathy, I want you to exercise some restraint and I'm gonna challenge you to make space for others and really limit to that one to two minutes. If you are a quiet Quentin, I, I made that one up. Uh, my, my challenge to you is to engage and offer your perspective because we as a community are all better having heard from you. And what you have to say does matter. If you choose not to share, at the very least, you learn the names of another five or six people in your church, and you got to hear them share, which is still a win. And hopefully you stay in this journey, along this journey with us, and we will see some progression in your participation in, in this time of our service. Um, lastly, well, a couple of things. I just want to make sure we set the, ground, the, the groundwork. This is not a wrong or a right type of discussion. This is just sharing, not critiquing, not cor correcting. Follow-up questions are okay, but as the person asking that follow-up question, you need to understand that it may not be answered. They do not have to answer your follow-up question. Um, oh, and then I asked, please make sure that no one is left out of a group, as somebody should be sitting in some circle of five to seven people. Okay, we got it? Okay, so what I'm going to ask you to do right now, now this first time, now we're going to get it down eventually. This is the first time we're going to do it, so like this, okay. Around people around you, let's circle up our chairs in groups of five to seven. Once you get in those groups, I'll give you further instruction. Let's go. Five to seven people. Come on. Come on. It's all right. Come on. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Look at y'all. Look at y'all. That's what I'm talking about.
Please make sure no one is left out. All this is beautiful. This is beautiful. Matt, go ahead and jump in one, bro. You good? Are we there? Are we there? Okay, so this is what we're going to do. Let's put the questions up. So, attention real quick. What we want to do is you can answer any of the three. Some of them kind of expect you to dig a little deeper and divulge a little bit more. Wherever you're comfortable, when it comes back around to you, you can choose which one you're going to answer. But the out of these three questions, let's take turns going person to person. Introduce yourself and then just answer one of the questions. I'll come back up and wrap up our time together. Go ahead. Let's go. Amen. Amen. Well, I appreciate you all for um, participating in that. Um, again, we're we want to hear your feedback even on this kind of stuff we are a body we are a body made up of many members and um so please we're we, we gonna get it until it's right but um we love each other and we know that we are a family and we know that but how do we live that out and so that that's the aim um so oh that's my timer going off i'm sorry so as we kind of transition into worship i have a few questions that i want us to be able to kind of think through take with us um as we go from this place um, which we're going to sing first, but questions are, who is the Holy Spirit putting on your heart? What invitations have you denied that you should maybe reconsider as it pertains to hospitality? What do you need to lay down in order to be available for hospitality? Comfort or security or prejudice? And we as Amago wanted to challenge us as a community, both Eastside and Central, as you engage in hospitality and practice hospitality this week, find a way to capture that, if it, whether it be a picture or some other way, and, and share that with those who you do life with, maybe put it on your social media. If you put it on social media, we want to keep track of these, and so hashtag it IDC Belonging. IDC is Amago Day Community Belonging, that's the series that we're in. And so maybe you take a picture of your table or you take a picture with guests or just find ways to practice and then let's share that and let's make this a contagious thing that becomes a part of our regular life, a regular practice of the life of Imago Day members. I know we don't like that word, but sorry, that's, that's what I'm calling us. And now as we go to the table, we encounter a Jesus who was born into the least hospitable conditions. And still he prepared a table for us. And we come to that table invited by Jesus to a meal prepared by his sacrificial love to eat the bread and to drink the wine or the juice so that we would no longer be strangers, but welcomed into the love of the Father and the Son and the Spirit. So today, as we take communion, as we sing worship, as we pray, let us be reminded of the hospitality that we have all received. And even in that, Jesus first hosted us 
strangers alienated from him as his guest and then he turns around and allows us to host him by way of the Holy Spirit and he is our guest so it's all through the gospel so let's respond in worship and let's push that and pay that hospitality that we've received from Jesus forward and be hospitable to this world amen let me pray God I thank you so much for your word I thank you for the hospitality that we have received from you while we were yet sinners while we were still enemies of you you died for us and welcomed us into your family so God I pray that we would truly live countercultural to this world and show love and welcome people that this world said do not matter I pray that we would be more impressed by your view of us than the world's view of us and that we would not reject certain people because of what the social circles we live in would say but I pray that we would be more concerned by what you have to say about those we entreat conform us to your image change us from the inside out that we may be a faithful presence in this world and bless the culture and while being that faithful presence we might resist anything opposed to your kingdom for your glory and for our own good it's in your mighty and beautiful name I pray amen We pray that God will use this message to strengthen your faith and draw you into a deeper relationship with himself. If you're interested in hearing other sermons or want more information about the church, please visit our website at idceastside.com. Thanks for listening.